Let's make today the day you get one step closer to becoming the parent you've always wanted to be and the parent your children deserve. Welcome to Powerful Parenting for Today's Kids. I am your host, Erin Taylor, and I have wanted to help parents and children literally since I was 11 years old. I created this podcast to help you make a stronger, healthier, deeper connection to your child, to understand the inevitable challenges a little better, and learn some new ways to navigate them when they occur. Thank you for spending some time with me. Now let's get this show started. Hello and welcome to part one of my book series for Dr. Shafali's new book, A Radical Awakening. This is episode 601. I realized a few minutes into this episode that I was wearing my headphones but forgot to plug them in. And once I did, I plugged them in. But because I spoke from the heart, and it is an unscripted episode, as most of mine are, I did not want to go back and re-record those seven minutes, because I knew they wouldn't come out the same the second time around. So please bear with me for the first seven or so minutes of this episode, because the audio is not quite as crisp. Thank you. Hello and welcome to episode 601. For the next few episodes, I'm going to do a multi-part series on my dear friend Dr. Shafali's new book, A Radical Awakening. This is an amazing, amazing book. And for... She's been writing this book for several years as she has gone through experiences in her lifetime. And I've watched her grow and evolve as a human for maybe the past seven or eight years, I would say. And I've watched her radical awakening as it has unfolded. And it's been really amazing and awe-inspiring. I've watched her grow into an even fuller version of herself, and I thought she was amazing when I first met her, and she's even more amazing now. So she's always been a beacon beacon of inspiration and a, a mentor and a teacher and a dear friend of mine. And so I wanted to really kind of share some highlights of this book with you in this uh, podcast because I believe that what she writes about is so very important, especially for women. Uh, But it really is... I don't know that this topic is really just for women because I really do believe that our world, our country, our culture, and our world will be a kinder, more balanced place when there is more balance between the masculine and feminine energy. 
I think globally, we have a masculine heavy energy. And when the two energies are balanced, both within an individual and on a more collective scale, I think that's when the world will be a really great place. So anyway, right now I'm going to, in this episode, uh, I'm going to share some highlights of part one, which she calls Asleep in the Matrix. There are so many things I could highlight that I could practically read you this entire section because it's really just that good. But I want to leave something fun for you to discover. So the first thing she offers in the book is a poem that she wrote called The Time of the Awakened Woman, and I will read it for you here. There comes a time in the life of a woman when she discards her old ways like tossed shoes in the garbage, when she sheds her list of shoulds and obligations, and when impossible expectations are burned in an incinerator. There comes a time in the life of a woman when the approval of others, once jewels, now turn to pennies in her sock, when the hunt for another is replaced by a hunt for herself, and when parental tentacles of tradition no longer define her truth. There comes a time in the life of a woman when her desire to fit in with the crowd dissolves, when her manic compulsion to be perfect vaporizes and when her obsession to be voted popular eviscerates. There comes a time in the life of a woman when she simply says, no more, when facade, artifice, and guile leave her nauseated, and when righteousness, dogma, and superiority repulse her. There comes a time in the life of a woman when she no longer fears conflict, but faces it boldly like a lioness when she guards her authenticity as fearlessly as she guards her babies, and when she drops the role of savior, knowing she can only save herself. There comes a time in the life of a woman when she no longer cowers in the shadows of her unworthiness, when she no longer plays small so others can feel big, and when she swaps the role of victim for the role of co-creator. There comes a time in the life of a woman when she unabashedly and boldly occupies her ultimate sovereignty, when she finally feels ready to claim her space in the world, and when she redefines compassion as unequivocal self-love. There comes a time in the life of a woman when she finally releases her childlike dependencies on others, when she dares to rewrite a new mandate of living for herself, one that says, I release unworthiness and fear. I divorce servility and passivity. I divest in authenticity and enmeshment. I end the pretense of being someone I am not. And from now on, I declare, I will ascend into my highest power. I will embrace my greatest autonomy. I will celebrate my deepest worth. I will embody my fiercest courage and manifest the most authentic me. The time is now. I am ready to awaken into my renaissance. What a beautiful, powerful poem. She then goes on with a love note to her sisters before we begin to read this book. She warns you that 
This book may not be easy to read. Understanding our pain is painful and that the words on her pages may trigger you. She, she says she wants you to know that she's been intentional with these triggers. They're meant to ignite and evoke an inner revolution. The pain comes from a dismantling of old belief structures and ways of being. The feelings of shock, grief, and loss are therefore not only natural, they're pivotal for your transformation. You may not realize it, but you are capable of the evolution, she advocates. So, as I'm reading this, I have been following... Okay, sorry about that. I realized I had been recording without my headphones being plugged in. So, sorry that the beginning of that, of this episode is a little less clear uh, in the audio, but I did not want to re-record it since I am just kind of speaking from my heart and I didn't know if it would come out as well. So as I have been reading along, I, I can tell how triggering this book might be for some people. And I would actually uh, encourage you to read it in a book group, perhaps, with people that you feel comfortable discussing this information with. These ideas that Dr. Shafali shares in this book may be ideas that you've never considered, that you've never heard discussed. Especially if you're new to her work, it may really crack you wide open. And I feel that it would be helpful if you had some kind of support system around you, whether it's a coach like myself, or a therapist, or a book club, or some dear friends, because it really, really gets to the core of our awakening as women, and how we have been, as she says in part one, living in the matrix. We don't know the matrix is a thing until we see it. And once we see it, it is shocking. It's much like the movie, The Matrix, if you have seen that. So that's what I wanted to let you know, that I recommend that you read this book with a support system already in place because it might get difficult for you at times. She starts page one by, (laughs) here's the first sentence. I knew I was in trouble when I found myself in a ditch on the side of the road with zero recollection of how I got there. So immediately I was hooked from the, the very first sentence of the first chapter. And she then goes on to share with you her, how her radical awakening began. And it's quite a powerful and uh, engaging story to read. Then she talks about fear in chapter one. And fear is all part of keeping us stuck in the matrix of life and culture. And 
she says on page 10, as long as fear eclipses the language of our soul, we continue to be puppets to external forces. So she talks about how we become a slave to fear in its many forms. Fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of ostracism, fear of loneliness, fear of unworthiness, fear of emotional or physical abuse. So have, have you ever experienced that in your life? Have you ever been aware that you were operating from a place of one of those fears or any of the other ones that exist? Dr. Shafali is so brave in this book where she shares a lot of personal stuff, um, including her divorce a couple of years ago. And I remember when she got, when she decided to go through with getting divorced, she was concerned that, and she writes about it in this book too, she was concerned that people who trusted her and learned from her and followed her would feel betrayed by her or feel that she was inauthentic or uh, an imposter. And I understand why she feared that, but I believe that exactly the opposite occurred. When she shared her true heart, her true evolution, her true awakening, and divorce happened to be a part of her story, the people I know who love and follow her appreciated her and respected her even more. So it's been really interesting to watch how she has faced her fears repeatedly over and over again and done so in a fairly public way and inspired so many other people through her courage of doing that. So that's been a pretty cool thing. Uh, So on page 24, she says, you may not identify yourself as lost since lostness disguises itself in clever ways. It shows up in the following. Listen to this list and see if any of this has ever applied to you. Fear in expressing one's voice. I know that's applied to me. Inability to create healthy boundaries. Check. Apathy and withdrawal. Check. Irritable and impatient outbursts. Lack of sexual desire. Giving up one's goals. Lack of self-care. Aimless busyness. Overwhelm and feeling torn. Confusion and ambivalence. Procrastination and self-sabotage. Insecurity and self-doubt. Ceaseless worry and anxiety. Addiction to food and substances. Well, if you've experienced any of them, you probably should be reading this book. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's really that good. She also talks about growing up as an Indian girl and how in her culture, 
she grew up in a culture that openly and unabashedly idolized white skin. She talks about the most popular face cream being called Fair and Lovely, and it's still a bestseller today. And she grew up being taught that their skin color is not the ideal standard, the texture of their hair, the span of their hips, or the length of their legs. Everything they find themselves to be is just not good enough. And <clears throat> she talks about seeking that external validation as a child and how confusing it was and the process that she went through as an adult to see it, to see the matrix, and then figure out how she could try to break out of it. It's just very, very, very interesting. And again, I don't want to give it all away to you because I would like you to read this book as well, but I really wanted to share some of the highlights. She talks about the power in our sisterhood, and I wanted to read this little... Uh, paragraph. Women need other women. We desperately need each other. We need our sisters to revel in our accomplishments and emphasize with our struggles. We need our sisters to embrace us when our homes are untidy because we are too exhausted to clean them and to understand us when we show up for our kids' parent-teacher meetings late or disheveled or when we forget to show up at all. We need our sisters to love us when we show up at a party in wrinkled clothes because we were up all night taking care of a sick child. We need them to be our salve, our balm, and our safe zones. Sadly, this is not always the case. Most often, women feel the most judged by other women. Until this reality changes, the patriarchy will reign powerful and strong. I remember feeling, even as a teenager, I could feel the judgment of other females. And I, I didn't quite understand what I was picking up on, but I definitely was aware of it. And I remember I, I had a, a very few close girlfriends. My best friend who I met when I was 11, she's still my best friend to this day. And so I had a very few very close friends who were females. But other than that, not so much. And I had a lot of male friends. And I used to say, I prefer males as friends because they're easier. They just, they're not complicated. What you see is what you get. This is what I used to say as a teenager. What you see is what you get. Girls have so much drama and so much, ugh, go, so much going on and ugh, it's just too much work. That's what I used to say as a teenager. But I do think that Oftentimes, women are very judgmental of each other. They're very competitive with each other. But it's almost the way culture has has built us. And I, I, I feel like I rejected that cultural conditioning even as a young, a young woman. And now 
thanks to Dr. Shafali, I actually understand it. I've always tried to surround myself with women who I feel comfortable around, who I don't feel judged by, who support me and I support them. I never wanted to be a part of the... Well, I, I guess I should restate that. I thought I always wanted to be a part of the popular in crowd, not only in high school, but in the neighborhood, in the, in the school system, all this kind of stuff. But actually, I didn't. I didn't want to be a part of that because I didn't want to worry about or have to overly focus on what I was wearing or the name brand on my purse or whether I was even wearing a purse or carrying a purse. I remember I just carry my a couple of cards on the back of my phone and my keys in my hand. I cannot stand purses. I never have liked them. And I remember being at a school function with a bunch of other moms and feeling very self-conscious because I didn't have the latest name brand of purse. And Ugh, I, I can't stand it. So I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but I surely did. And I have tried to avoid it as often as possible because I just don't, I just don't like that feeling. So it is very important. Women need each other. We need to lift each other up. We need to support each other. We need to be champions and cheerleaders for each other. And if you've got a bunch of women in your life who are not doing that for you and you're not doing it for them, it might be time to really take a deep, hard look at those relationships. At the heart of all of us, at the deepest core of all of us, we all want to know, am I loved? Am I seen? Am I worthy? These are some of the questions that Dr. Shafali has talked about for years and years and years, and it's so true. Our behaviors all come from wanting to be loved, seen, and worthy, or seen, heard, and valued, as I like to say. So here are some good questions as you begin to conceive of this idea of the matrix and how you might have been living inside of it. She says, in order to shift, we need to be aware of what's going on inside us. We need to check in with ourselves on a moment-by-moment basis, asking the following, Am I acting out of obligation and duty or alignment and authenticity? Am I acting out of fear of losing another's love or the power of self-love? Am I acting out of scarcity of what if or abundance of the what is? Am I in lack about the future or empowerment about the present? Am I acting out of a desire to please the other or a desire to please myself? Am I acting out of past pattern or honestly responding to the present. Oh, this is just so good. So in this section, this this part of the book, she also talks through the process of her realization that she needed to get divorced. And it's very, very open, very honest, very vulnerable. And... Um, Wow, I just honor, I admire her courage so, so much. And she has always said, in any situation, we have three choices. To stay and accept things the way they are, to change things, or to leave. 
And in every situation that we don't like, we have to figure out which one we choose. And so in her discussion of her divorce, she also wanted to put this note in there, which I'm glad she did because I I was reading her story about her divorce and thinking about my own marriage and thinking, I feel like my marriage is healthy and happy and fulfilling. I don't want to get divorced, but I don't think it's necessary either. And so she says, I don't want women who are reading this to fear that if they awaken, their marriages are destined to end. This is definitely not the case. Not all marriages need to dissolve like mine did just because the dynamic shifted upon the awakening of one partner. Many times, both partners are able to adapt, evolve, and grow together, entering a new marital consciousness. When this happens, it's a beautiful thing indeed. Many partners are excited by each other's growth and seek to change themselves to stay in sync with the other. Some can do this successfully while others cannot. There is no judgment on the ones that cannot. For the couples who can, spiritual evolution becomes a family affair. I have seen this happen many times in my practice and it's a hugely enlightening process for all. So, I'm going to leave my discussion of part one at that. I've shared many, many highlights with you. I hope that I've gotten you very excited and intrigued about the possibility of reading her book. And certainly, if you decide to order her book and read through it, and you'd like to read through it with the support of someone else, feel free to reach out to me because this is a deep excavation of your inner landscape that you may or may not be ready for. (laughs) I guess that's the only way I can put it. I deeply admire and love my dear friend Shafali. I'm so glad she wrote this book. And I know she's going to shake awake many, many women in the world. But as more women awaken and step into their true power and their evolution, the world will become a better place. So that's it for me. Thank you for listening. I will be back next week with part two of the book discussion. And until then, I hope you have, or I hope you make it a very awakened day for yourself. That wraps up this episode of Powerful Parenting for Today's Kids. If you know anyone who could benefit from this episode or this podcast in general, please share it with them. Also, I always love hearing feedback from my listeners. I welcome you to send me an email to erin at erin-taylor.com if you have any comments or questions that come up for you in an episode. Our children are our future. Parenting them is the most sacred task we will ever be asked to do. It truly does take a village to raise a child. Let's help each other to raise our children to be who it is they are meant to be. If at any point you feel like you need a little extra help and support, reach out to me. I am here to help you.